Uh, I am Andrew Carroll. I'm the host of the Ashe All Day Podcast. Brian, just so everybody knows, when you open up your heart and you sing, you're changing the world on a molecular level. You are the alchemizing vibration of sound. My open heart sees you. I wanted to wow. share you with the world, brother. Give a little introduction, man. Let the people know who you are and what you're all about. My name is Brian Burnett. I am a musical artist. I use music as my outlet, my creative outlet to exercise my feelings and work through my issues and entertain people. I've got a family. I've got four children and a beautiful wife. Beautiful that, family. That I love very much. Oh my gosh. I just celebrated my eight-year mm. wedding anniversary with my wife. And Give her a shout out. She's so dope. Rhonda. Yeah. Rhonda Mae Burnett. She's so, she's so amazing dope. and beautiful and loving and caring. And she's a wonderful mother. She's an amazing model. Check her out. She's got some really cool stuff up on social media. Dude, she's doing big things. Absolutely. On our anniversary, I said, wow, you know, Rhonda, it's been eight years already. Has it really been eight years? It almost doesn't feel that long, but I've never loved you more. Things just keep getting better. And I'm so grateful for that. That's so beautiful, man. I'm so happy to know you guys. You and your wife come so fully supported and expressed. And if you're in the Burnett tribe, <sighs> you're held with love and compassion and support for whatever you're doing. And it's an incredible feeling, man. Yeah. Like I said, when I met you guys, like, what was that, in February? It I was think? February 6th. Yeah, yes, dude. This year. I had only been in Seattle for like two weeks, dude. Mm -hmm. And I needed friends and <laughs> I was in a rough place, dude. And you guys were there. When I met you, I told you and I told Rhonda, our lives will never be the same again. That by the time next year hits, that we'll look back at that moment and we wouldn't even recognize what was going on. We are already yeah. well on our way. <laughs> yeah. It's so cool. Yeah. It's so we yeah. have so many things to be grateful for. So much. Dude. Um, it's incredible. I love gratitude and I love you. And it's so important to give yourself the credit to for the work that you put in and the accumulation and the culmination of the skills and abilities and the hard work and the time. And you've been you've been playing music and involved in music since you were a kid, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. You know, from from singing songs with sing mom sing it. And the, sing and that. And sing what you're about to tell me. So from singing in the station wagon with my mom and brother. To going out to playing guitar and finding out about other things I wish and I wished and I came and I saw and received so much mm. love, so much praise so much to be grateful oh yeah dude i got chills it's so good you're welcome <laughs> you're welcome this is the brian burnett you will know his name so yeah you started out in like choir you were mormon right <laughs> i was born and raised in the mormon church you know that's actually a lot of the songs that it used to sing in the car was the church songs and we'd get into choir and we'd sing choir songs with my mom and we would always do the different parts and harmonize mm. and make the air buzz and it was just so cool you know being 11 12 years old and making that harmonize harmonic buzz mm. inside the car that just 
filled the whole, you know, space. It's so amazing. Yeah, harmonies are a beautiful thing. I'm so glad you're not Mormon anymore. <laughs> no offense. Yeah, I, or I, do be offended. It doesn't uh, matter. Well, but yeah. <laughs> you had your story is so cool. I want to talk about the busking. I want to talk about you like just picking up and leaving right after high school. I want to talk about the wrestling, like the drugs. I want to talk about that. So uh-huh. too. You and I were having a conversation one time about significant life events. And you were sharing with me about how once you realized that God and Satan, and I don't know how many people are ready for that, but I <laughs> just like I knew like I was like, yep, I get you. I totally get it. Okay, so we're yeah. going there today. Yo, we're going okay. all the way okay. in, dude. Okay. All the way. All right. Yeah, right. this is this right. is not this is not softball. well uh, let me just say this is not like club softball i do not mean any disrespect to those collegiate level athletes who like monsters monster athletes playing softball maybe wiffle ball is a better t-ball anyway this ain't ain't your mama's podcast i hope not Yeah, man. Give us the give us the couple minute version of like of the ride. Don't Started the semi beginning after, after like into into high school. The wrestling, what that looked like. I hope you understand that this is more than a couple minutes. Yeah, I got you. Okay, you're good. You're, okay, yeah, you're so good. Yeah. I had one hell of a temper uh, when I was young, and I would do some stupid, destructive things. Like I, what things? I threw a piece of corn on the cob uh, at my brother and smashed it through a window. Um, I got locked out of the house when I was eight years old by my brothers, and I was really upset and not realizing I I ah, I hit the hit the storm door and shattered the glass. Uh, actually, this one here, and I slipped my wrist open. Had to go to the emergency room. It was bad. One time, I was angry and I just took you know like the, the loppers that you use to cut tree branches. Oh, put it right through a, a live extension cord. <laughs> I was five. Wow. I was just always doing things you don't want to do because I was angry and felt helpless or or whatever, you know, and a lot of that was part of being the youngest sibling. I just want to take a second and hit on what you just said, man. So, so many people can relate to anger, but I don't know that they have done the work to understand the root cause of where that's coming from because people get to anger and they shy away or they turn from it and they won't sit with it. But you just said that you were angry because... I felt helpless. Say that again. I felt helpless, yeah. And in that helplessness, you experienced anger mm-hmm. in an effort to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So <laughs> just letting people soak that up for a second because that is something that is often overlooked. Anger is a teaching tool. It tells us when things that are happening to us are not okay. And I appreciate you for bringing that medicine on the podcast today because people needed to hear that. I got full body chills and that's when I know it's time to pause and stomp a foot and say, hey, listen to that. Please continue. Thank you so much. So when I was in third grade, um, there was uh, this guy that came around from the uh, from the local freestyle wrestling club, handing out flyers and and telling the, the he came to my school and was was in my class and he everybody got a flyer and you know we were thinking like Hulk Hogan you know <laughs> stuff and and wow you know and I was thinking like wow this could be cool so I showed it to my folks and my stepdad he jumped right on it. 
it and said, yes, absolutely. Yeah, uh, I'll take you. Turns out wrestling was big in his family. He was a wrestler. My my older stepbrothers were wrestlers and fighters. And so I got into it. First day, got in there and I gave it all I had and, and I lost to the coach's kid. And this determination set in me along with my mother's words of you need to learn to use your anger for something better than just throwing fits Mm. and channel that because you are so powerful. So I stuck with wrestling from third grade all the way through high school, ended up going to the state tournament um, all four years of high school and placing. Was that here in Washington? Yeah. Okay. I was going by the family name Gilliam as the last name in school as well. Okay. If you ever look up Brian Gilliam, 135 pounds, class of 2000, Matt's classic, you'll, you'll see me in there. It was pretty cool. I had scholarships. There were scholarships available. There was a completely different path I could have taken than the one that I did. Are you open so, to sharing? with? Because yeah, you and I have talked about that a we, little bit. We, You're such a beautiful human being, Brian. And <laughs> thanks, dude. We don't become this the way that we are. I have so many children, you know, I like I'm so glad that you're here. You don't become a beautiful person without just some absolute shit storms in your life. And oh, I've got those. Yeah. Think about how many people are pushing their kids to, yo, you better go wrestling. You better do your best. And you better get that scholarship. If you don't go to college, you're worthless. All that was right there for you, man. And on the one hand, intentionally chose a different path. And on the other hand, there were some demons in your life that kind of redirected you. Yeah, absolutely. So I. I had just gotten back from the senior national tournament in Pittsburgh where I, I had made the top 12. I was out wrong. of the entire country. Yeah. Let's just throw that out there. That's <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I was one, I was one point, a one point loss away from actually, you know, getting a medal. Yeah. So it was really cool. I think it was a 64 man bracket. Wow. So yeah. And it, and it was all state champions and state placers from, yeah from around the country. So yeah, I mean, I, I feel good about it as you should. I came back and found out that my girlfriend had cheated on me with this other dude and I was all upset about it and I was having troubles at home as well. I had actually moved out of my parents' house at 17. Going from that to having all the freedom, I didn't know what to do with it. And after finding out that my girlfriend had cheated on me, I'm drinking a beer and, you know, hanging out with some folks and this girl pulls out a little white baggie of which is that's math. And I had been offered it before. I was like, oh, no, no, no. You know, no, no, no. The Mormon sensibility was still in you prior to that, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> had you been drinking for a little while at this time and stuff like that? Like, Yeah, um, I actually stopped going uh, to church uh, 15, 16 years okay. old. 16, I think. Was that a pretty heavy conversation in the household? Uh, yeah, I was always in trouble. Yeah. Always. So anyway, this girl offers me some math and I tried it and was immediately like my whole world changed. And it was like the most amazing I had ever felt ever. I did it for 10 months straight. Did you lightly dabble or did it take hold of you? It, it took a pretty good hold. I had my moments when I wasn't doing it, but they were short. <laughs> yeah, fair. Yeah, the claws were in and it became what life was all about until one day I woke up after being awake for 17 days. Wow. Yeah, okay. I went to sleep for three and I woke up in a, a shed behind a condemned mobile home that was all fenced off. And, uh, 
with a generator outside that was powering the lights and the TV in there that was fueled by gasoline from the people's cars in the neighborhood getting siphoned out by the folks that were staying there. That's where I was. Yeah, that's meth. They had a mirror sitting there and I looked in the mirror. I looked like death. I mean, sunken in everything, yeah. just all just. Ugh. How far after wrestling was this? The tournament, I think, was in March. So the tournament was in March. You came back. She had cheated on you. You're partying with some friends and you try meth. It was the end of the year. It was like New Year's. But you went from being at a physical level of being a top 12 senior state champion wrestler. In 10 months, meth really almost completely destroyed you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So when I was asleep for three days, the folks that were around me just kind of left me there. And I woke up and they're like, oh, man, we were worried about you. You've been out for like three days. We were thinking about calling the ambulance or something, but we didn't want to get busted. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I saw myself in the mirror and I I cried. I cried and I gathered my things and I left and I was done. I did not want to do that anymore. So I drove to Seattle. For more? That was in White Center. Okay. Yeah. I drove to Seattle, found a place to park my car. I was actually sleeping in my car uh, at that time. Pike Place Market was up there and they had people busking up there. And so I went and got me a pass or a a permit and started busking. There is one really interesting point that I want to bring up. That whole thing was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) So... Just because I had stopped and didn't want to do math anymore, I was still attracting those people. Those people were still coming around. Yeah. It's almost like they just recognized me, even though I wasn't getting high. It was crazy. I was very approachable to them. Can I address that? Mm -hmm. So when you're involved in some stuff like this, it's really important to understand that what you are actually doing is changing your vibrational frequency on a molecular level. In doing this kind of a drug, especially methamphetamine, which I think has a lot more than just the chemical component, but if we're talking about the spiritual realm, you are opening up a portal and an invitation for other beings to readily come into your space, into your temple. And so other people who are out there that speak that same language essentially are vibrating on that same frequency. And so even when you do decide to stop using a drug like methamphetamine, you still are part of that tribe until it has completely cleared from your system and you have made intentional, intentional, intentional change. This is part of the reason that an addiction to opiates and to methamphetamine are so difficult to overcome. And it takes exactly what Brian is talking about. There has to be a moment for that individual wherein they realize that what they are doing is going to kill them and they care about that. They want to continue living in a different way. How long after you decided to quit, your peers essentially stopped approaching you like they were? Because you, I mean, the rest of us, I have never done meth knowingly. Uh, I've probably, I've probably had it in MDMA or something. Oh, okay. There are certain chemicals that I'm just not drawn to and I know that they're not for me. So I have stayed away from that for most of my life. Now, we've, you and I have talked extensively about my experience with MDMA therapy and with psychedelics and those kinds of things. My bread and butter, I'll go into that fear and do that sure. all day, every day. It's so good. There's something about meth and fentanyl. I mean, I don't, I can't really distinguish between the two and what they're doing to people, but you can see they turn, their people are turning into zombies. The fentanyl is more of the nod and more of the classic, like the opioid symptoms that you will see from people. Mm-hmm. But 
meth is that real twitchy jerky it's, movement like yes. the 28 days later type of zombie uh, yeah right uh-huh. it took a while because i hadn't made enough changes you know i i hadn't made enough changes i just knew that i didn't want to do that anymore but i still wanted to party i still wanted to drink and smoke weed and that kind of stuff yeah you know it's it's hard for me to say exactly how long it took two times after that i was approached with it it was offered to me more than two times but two times i accepted yeah and immediately immediately after doing it all the same feelings came flooding back Mm -hmm. and it was 24 hours of regret oh yeah that shame and guilt cycle bud Uh uh-huh it was yeah yeah so i would say probably about the time i got a job at the bar here downtown uh working in the kitchen is when that quit when i got a job perfect opportunity to plug an awesome show that does not sponsor us at all but have you seen the bear no. Dude, it's so good. It's got one of the guys, one of the actors from Shameless. Uh, I think his, I think he was Lip. He played Philip oh, on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Such a good actor. Yep. He basically like takes over like a family restaurant. He's this highly trained chef and he comes to take over like this sort of dive restaurant. But it's one of the best shows I've seen huh. in a long time. Season okay. two just came out like a month or two ago, but I don't have the streaming platform anymore that it's on. Uh, what's the streaming platform? I think it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. yeah. I don't either. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> Just, yeah, putting my focus on some other stuff right now, but uh, awesome show. You okay. mentioned working in a kitchen, cool. brought it oh, up yeah. for me. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I worked in kitchens on and off for 10 years Okay, before okay, I okay. switched over to carpentry. Oh yeah. Cause now you work wood. Oh yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs>